Pastor Xavier Reese says God's judgment is administered by the schedule he chooses. How much of what's going on in our country is the judgment of God? No one can tell for sure in the present. But what we can know for sure as Christians is that history teaches us that consequences to corrupt nations are sure. If they're not conquered, they fall from within. And from the Bible, we learn that God is often behind those judgments. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's great trouble to a good man to find himself anyway the cause of evil to others. David must have been very pained when he considered that his falsehood was the possible cause of a whole city, men, women, children, and livestock, to literally die by the sword at the command of Saul. But today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier uses this account from the book of 1 Samuel to encourage us that the God of life will forever triumph over evil. Let's listen. 1 Samuel chapter 22. We're going to look at verse 1 through 23. And the message entitled, God is on the throne. God being in control is working out to establish David as king here, revealing the faithfulness of God. This is the context. In the midst of evil. By these three interrelated events. They are as follows. First, the gathering of David to Adullam for good. Verse 1 through 5. For good. Secondly, verse 6 through 10, the gathering with Saul at Gibeah for self-preservation. And then thirdly, 11 through 23, the gathering of the priests from Nob for evil. Yeah, for good, for self-preservation, and for evil. And yet God's still on the throne, ladies and gentlemen. You need to keep that in mind as you see your life today in the midst of our world on things that are going on to every generation. The gathering to David at a, a dulem for good is the first event here, verse 1 through 5. The fugitive David made his escape from Gath, as we've said, to the cave of Adullam. And uh, we don't know the exact location, many caves around there. And the family of David, notice, joined him here at the cave of Adullam. Notice everyone who was in distress, which means anguish or desperation. Now, you remember Samuel in chapter 8 warned about the king that they were asking to be like other nations. And he warned them about the king that would take their sons for his own chariots, for his own horsemen to run before him in chapter 8, verse 11. Everyone who was in debt, those who owed a lot of money. Samuel warned them that he would take the best of their fields, their vineyards, their groves, a tenth of their grain, a tenth of their sheep, so on and so forth, for his servants, chapter 8, 14 through 15, and verse 17. Everyone who was discontented, meaning bitter or in bitterness, Samuel had warned them that he would appoint captains over his fifties and thousands and so on and so forth. Put servants, some over his ground to make his weapons, to make his chariots. Chapter 8, verse 12 through 13. Samuel said he would take their male and female servants, their finest young men, their donkeys, and put them in his work, chapter 8, verse 16. The toll had come upon the nation. He had ruled them like a tyrant, oppressed them. Notice the outcome of their coming to David was that 
he became captain over them. In verse 2 at the end there. They were tired of the oppressive government that was stealing from them, destroying them, and dividing their nation. In verse 5, the prophet Gad said to David. Now notice God at that time, through the prophet Gad here, directed him to abandon the cave of Adullam. Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart. And then notice David obeyed and trusted God completely. It says, So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Hereth means forest in the land of Judah. The gathering to David at Adullam was for good. In spite of the evil that was going on, God wanted to turn it around and do some good. you understand? Notice, secondly, you have 6 through 10. The gathering with Saul at Gibeah for self-preservation. The news of David and his men that his men had been spotted reached Saul. Look at 7. The speech of Saul to the men of his tribe, Benjamin, is self-serving. He called for their attention. Then Saul said to the servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites. And the word here is Shema. It means perceive with the ear with the idea of listening attentively. It's the same word that is used in Deuteronomy 6, 4 for the Shema of Israel. Shema of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Saul reminded them, notice in verse 7 there still, that he had made them powerful, prosperous. Saul had bought them. Samuel warned them in chapter 8 about that. The method of Saul was to move people to, by guilt and emotions. Saul accused all of being against him. Listen to this word. And all of you conspired against me. <laughs> and there is no one, no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. Yet Saul had concealed his intent to kill David from Jonathan. You get the pattern of evil people? They always turn tables around. They accuse you of doing what they do. Look at eight still. Saul accused all of being disloyal to him about Jonathan aiding David. And there is no one of you, he keeps repeating, no one, no one, who is sorry for me. Oh, poor me. And it reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Yet Saul demonstrated no compassion to David, but he wanted it for himself and was the one lying in wait for David. Do you get the pattern of evil people? Verse 9, the strategy of self-pity of Saul worked. One came forward to inform Saul about David. His identity is given. Then Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul. The name Doeg means fearing. He feared man instead of God. That was his problem. The descendants of Doeg were the Edomite, the type of the flesh. Esau, the brother of Jacob. His witnesses stated and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab. Doegs are weather veins. It just depends which way the wind's blowing. Look at 10. The witness of Doeg was partially false. And he inquired of the Lord Yahweh, he said for him. The false witness of Doeg was mixed with truth. And the difficulty is that all lies have a certain amount of truth. And evil people know how to exploit them. There are always people who rule like Saul. They are in positions of power. They use their power to intimidate and to oppress people. 
and to put fear in them. They perpetuate their power by marking and removing all those who will not go along with their ideas or program or decisions. They are masters of manipulation of people by smooth speeches. They're cool, calm, and collective. They work on emotions to win people over to them. In spite of all the evidence that is very clearly evident. Listen to Proverbs 6.13. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his finger. Winking is deception. Proverbs 10.10. He who winks with his eye causes trouble, but a prating fool will fall. Proverbs 16.30. He winks with his eye to devise perverse things. He purses his lips and brings about evil. There are always evil people who will serve evil people like Saul. They attract each other. (laughs) They will see opportunities to advance themselves first of all. They see it. They're masters to grab a hold of that opportunity. They will seize the opportunity to be part of the inner circle of power. They will say, agree, and twist anything to further their position in power. They will run as fast as they can to promote themselves, but they will turn on each other at a drop of a hat if it will mean greater promotion for their power and authority. They're loyal only to themselves. They're not leaders of people, but tyrants in positions of leadership wanting to be served and enslave people. The gathering with Saul at Gibeah was for self-preservation, ladies and gentlemen. Mark it well. God is still on the throne. Notice thirdly, the gathering of the priests from Nob for evil in verse 11 through 23. This is the third event. In 11 through 16, the inquiry of Ahimelech by Saul was a setup. In verse 11, Saul called all the priests to come before him and they arrived at Gibeah. Ahimelech the high priest was present. He was the great-grandson of Eli. The entire members of the priests in their family's house at Nob, they are present before the king. They came to him at Gibeah, all of them. Now notice in 12, Saul said to Ahimelech, Here now, son of Ahadtub. And he answered respectfully, Here I am, my lord. The word here is the same word, Shema. This is the key through all three events. Every one of these events came by hearing. Saul commanded them to listen with attentive interest. Look at 13. Saul accused Ahimelech of treason. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse? This again is the same word that Saul used for himself in verse 8. Conspire means to bind the tie to lead together. But he was the one that was guilty of this. He had aided David, he said, in that you have given him bread and a sword. He had given David divine guidance and have inquired of God for him. And that he had done so in order that David should rise against Saul to lie in wait as it is this day. A little bit of truth, a lot of lies. 
Ahimelech made his defense on his knowledge of David's impeccable standing. Listen, his loyalty comes first in 14. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all servants is as faithful as David? His family ties. Who is the king's son-in-law? His service. Who goes at your bidding? His character. And is honorable in your house. Ahimelech denies any form of treason towards Saul. He did not seek God. Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Of course, no. He and his house were innocent. Listen to his words. Far be it from me, let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in his house of my father. He knew nothing of the matter, for your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. Did this matter to Saul? No. It's a kangaroo court. He's in power. Saul pronounced his verdict against Ahimelech. The king said, you should surely die, Ahimelech. In spite of the evidence, you and all your household, your father's household, what injustice. Now, the command of Saul to kill all the priests was given to the guards. In 17, Saul issued the order. Saul told the guards who stood by him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord Yahweh. The word for guards means runners to deliver messages or information. Saul gave two reasons. Listen to him. Because their hand also is with David, which was false. Second, because they knew when he fled and he did not tell me. And they were unaware of David's situation in relation to Saul. Another false reason. Both reasons are false. Notice, still in 17, Saul was disobeyed. This is great. But the servants of the king would not lift up their hands to strike the priests of the Lord Yahweh. These men had the good sense to know this was not the right thing to do, and they refused to go along with the evil. This is like, remember in chapter 14, when Saul was going to kill his own son because he had dipped the, the head of his spear and, and ate some honey, and he was going to kill him because of his oath, and the man said, you're not going to kill him, these guys again. So there comes a time when people have to disobey the person in power because they realize that they're evil. Look at 18 and 19. Saul handed down the orders to Doeg. You always have a dog around. Saul the king said to Doeg, you turn and kill the priest. And Doeg did in my turn and struck the priest. Doeg again means fearing. He feared man, not God. He's an opportunist. They're not bothered about the evil. They're concerned about getting ahead. Doeg killed on that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. 18 says, this was a partial fulfillment of the judgment against the house of Eli pronounced in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27 through 36. But this did not take away from the personal guilt before God of Saul or Doeg. God knows the end from the beginning, ladies and gentlemen. And he has no problem declaring future judgment, knowing the evil actions of some men to accomplish his purposes. 
Why should any one of us object? If he knows the end from the beginning, he knows when a person is going to exercise their own free will and it will accomplish his purposes. So he says it before it happens. So when it happens, you know it's God. But God doesn't make him do the evil. He only says he's going to do evil. You understand? Listen to the scripture, Psalm 76, 10. Surely the wrath of man shall praise you. With the remainder of wrath, you shall gird yourself. Doeg was not content with killing the priests. He goes further. Evil men never have enough. And they get worse and worse. Listen. He kills all the priests, all the people in the, in the city of the priest's knob. He struck with the edge of the sword both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys, and sheep with the edge of the sword. Horrible. Look at verse 20 through 23. The son of Ahimelech escapes the massacre of the priests. God's on the throne, remember? Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahiathar, escapes and flees over to David. Verse 20. Ahimelech means my brother is king. Abiathar means my father is great or excellent. These are godly men. Now Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest in verse 21. He held Saul directly responsible for the massacre. Notice, Abiathar saw Saul as the primary one at fault. Doeg was guilty, but the king, the one in, as a leader, gave the orders. Look at 22. David confessed he was responsible for the death of the priest. There's a responsibility on David's part also. David told Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. David got a check in his spirit and he ignored it. When you get a check from God in your spirit, you better have heads up. You understand? Do not ignore the checks of God in your life. It's terrible to live with regrets. Notice in 22 still, David took the blame. I have caused the death of all persons of your father's house. David felt terrible about it. And in 23, David welcomed Abiathar to stay. He comforted him. Stay with me. Do not fear. He warned him. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. And he offered him protection. But with me, you shall be safe. Abiathar, by the way, served David the rest of David's life. Interesting. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when a fireman, a policeman, a soldier, a judge takes an oath, they take this oath, I swear to defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. No oath is ever taken to protect a man, a president, a senator, an office, a party, always to defend the Constitution of the United States. The injustice that is brought forth by men against other men by being in positions of authority and power is frightening, ladies and gentlemen. Be they Republicans, be they Democrats, I don't care who they are. As Christians, you and I are united in the common unity of Jesus Christ against all forms of evil that are openly clear in the scriptures. And if we culturalize our Christianity according to our race or our political party, we are doing a disservice to Christ and the kingdom of God. 
understand that clearly. Proverbs 29, 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked man rules, the people groan. The horrible crimes that are executed towards innocent people by self-absorbed tyrants and evil men is never ending. The wheels of God's justice and the perfection of his judgment is not thwarted nor compromised. It will be executed to every person. How much of what's going on in our country is the judgment of God, no one can tell for sure in the present. But what we can know for sure as Christians is that history teaches us that consequences to corrupt nations are sure. If they're not conquered, they fall from within. And from the Bible, we learn that God is often behind those judgments. That is very, very clear. He did it to his nation Israel using Babylon. Rome fell from within. Proverbs 29, 16 says, When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. God's on the throne. He's not biting his nails. And we're right on schedule. Are you looking for Jesus Christ? Are you looking for solutions from man? You realize that for the Antichrist to appear, the whole world has to become bankrupt. How close are we? The gathering of the priests from Nob was for evil. These three interrelated events are key. They're very applicable to our world, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're not sleeping. I hope that I'm not a watchman speaking to myself. God was in full control as he began to work out his plan to make David and to establish him as king. Revealing his faithfulness in the midst of evil by these three interrelated events. The gathering to David at Adullam was for good. God was at work. The gathering with Saul at Gibeah was for self-preservation. Can't miss it. And the gathering of the priests from Nam was for evil. Truth and evidence didn't matter. If you study your Bible without daring to make application to the day you're living in, you're not biblical. You're just religious. The Lord's coming. He's the blessed hope. If your solutions are in man, you're hopeless. But God help us that we'd be complicit to the evil, that we would be silent. We're a light, we're salt. We're sojourners, we're strangers, we're citizens of heaven. And because we are, we serve for the good while being here on earth by calling evil what it is. Evil. It's just real simple. May God give us the courage as Christians 
to be the greatest patriotic Americans. That's where me and my house will serve the Lord. May God give us courage. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing an intense study of 1 Samuel chapter 22 to a close by encouraging that we seek the true giver of life for the liberty and freedom that only He can give, the God of the Bible. Now today's message titled, God is on the Throne, is available on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, God is on the Throne, or simply mention today's date. Get your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com